Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Morning, everybody. Happy Mondays and welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the editor, so best behaviour, everybody, Alison Phillips. Morning, Alison. Good morning, Susie. How's it all going? Too bad. Medium rare. Now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments. Ask us your questions. Uh, we haven't given out a news agenda mug for some time, so... We need, to, we need to really up the, the standard of your questions, everybody, and your comments. And anybody who gets interrupted halfway through this and has to click off because your boss has come in the room, uh, you can catch up later on podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Now, what have we got today? So the mirror has splashed, not on Ukraine, which is doing a lot to change the world today, but on how Prince William handled the criticism of his royal tour of the Caribbean. And that's something that could have an impact on changing the world yet to come. So for anyone who's been under a rock, Wills and Kate flew into a storm last week when a planned visit to a cocoa farm was rejected by the neighbours. They were dogged by people demanding reparations for slavery, which the royal family in centuries past was personally enriched by. And then right at the end, uh, greeted onlookers through a chain link fence, which could not have looked more like white privilege if it tried. Now, Alison, in my years of reporting on royal events, I don't know about you, but when things draw criticism, they tend to draw a veil over it and just move on, talk about something else, and they never address it, really. But what was William's reaction to all the criticism he had last week? Yes, I think um, we've seen a completely different reaction than we've seen in the past. Um, so last week, it really did feel that with every passing day, things were going from bad to worse. And certainly on, um, I think it was Thursday afternoon in our news conference in the afternoon, uh, the pictures came up of... Um, William and Kate on the back of the Land Rover, where I think they was, I think it was almost intentional they were reenacting a, a scene that, 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 that the Queen had um, done back in 1953. But it just looked so wrong. And after everything we'd already seen uh, that week, it just it felt it felt entirely dated. It felt like the last two years, everything that's taken place in those two years had completely passed them by. Um, and it, it felt deeply uncomfortable to watch. And it wasn't just us that felt that, you know, across, I think most people who saw that were kind of slightly troubled by it. And I think, as you say, ordinarily, that might have just, they'd have just got back and just hoped the whole thing would fade from memory. Um, then on Saturday afternoon, there was an unprecedented um, statement came from uh, Prince William, um, where he himself was taking control of the situation and saying that he um, was going to approach the Commonwealth in a very different way, that he had no desire to make people um, sort of be, be part of it if, if they had no wish, and that he was very supportive of people wanting to go and find their own destiny. So, I mean, it was a head-on... So two things, really. I mean, one, it was showing a completely different approach to the, to the Commonwealth, but secondly, it showed a different approach to how he perhaps would reign in the future, which is like dealing with difficult issues head-on, and having his own voice rather than it being kind of unattributed sources that are putting these stories out. 
Yeah. Now, you know, they've, they've always been considered quite media savvy, Wills and Kate. Mm. But I think perhaps by comparison with the rest of the royal family, who are not, or at least it may be savvy, but I have no wish to have anything to do with this. Um, you can't see, though, uh, Harry and Meghan ever having done some of this stuff. They would never have done the whole touching hands through a chain link fence. And they, I don't think they would certainly ever have stood in the back of a Land Rover in the, in the manner of, you know, 1953, a fresh nuclear power, you know, the era when, uh, you know, British companies were moving Pacific Islanders off their island in order to mine it, just shoving them off and saying, you don't live here anymore. That's the kind of era that that picture originally of the Queen sort of echoes from. And I think, um, so I think on the, on the picture of um, the children through the fence, um, they were playing from our royal reporter that was there, that um, they'd gone, they were playing, uh, there was football going on, and um, Raheem Sterling was there, and obviously lots of people came to watch. Um, and and then at, right at the end, they said, oh, let's go and say hello to those people. So I think it was probably done with the, uh, the best, because it, it was a fence that went around a, a football pitch. Um, what I think that indicated was very some failings within their media camp. And so anybody who'd looked at that could have seen how that was going to look in one frame. Because also in a world now where everything is dominated by images and single images, you have something like that that did the damage that it did. So if perhaps they just, the, the press team had just brought William and Kate round to the other side of the fence and they could have met people face to face, those images wouldn't have existed. So I think that was a failing in the, the media presentation, which is a thing, whether you like it or not, how they're presented is a thing. Um, but I think in terms of when they were on the back of that Jeep, um, I wonder if, I think the Queen had asked them to go there in the first place, and I wonder if she thought it was a lovely idea. And I think this is where William and Kate are going to find themselves in an increasingly difficult area, because on one hand, they're trying to uphold the, um, the routines and the, um, the pageantry of the family, but at the same time, they're trying to... Um, operate in a modern world and most of the time I think they kind of manage those two things but on this case it clearly didn't and you had to go one way or the other and they went yeah. the wrong way. Yeah and the point of the tour was the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and they yeah. were which is why they were trailing before they went even the palace was briefing they said they're going to use the Queen's Jeep you know and that's <clears throat> why they wanted to do it but it just it didn't it wasn't appropriate at all but it's certainly the fact that they've released this statement at the end of the tour acknowledging some of the things that went wrong, which has never happened before. I think so. And I think also, I mean, to your point about Meghan and Harry, it's very different being Meghan and Harry. It's it's the difference between someone who's able to sit essentially on the sidelines and have an opinion like you or I, and the people who are actually in the job, trying to do the job. And sometimes when you're in the job, doing the job, you, you get things wrong. Now, I think there's interesting reasons to why they got that wrong, because I think if they had a truly diverse, inclusive staff around them, there would have been somebody, surely, would have put their hand and said, hang on a minute, this isn't seem quite right. But they clearly haven't got that team, haven't got that breadth of knowledge, experience, diversity. Um, and so I think that's what, what let them down there. But I think it is difficult. Well, it, is it difficult? It shouldn't be difficult if you've got the right team around you. But, it's, yeah, they're so visible. No matter how modern they want to be, they are upholding a thousand-year institution. Mm. And you, you, there are some things you can't change within that if it's going to remain an institution you can adapt very very slowly over time but you really can't you know rip the rug out from under anything now darren says is there a way for the fabulously rich to virtue signal with a bunch of poor kids without it looking like bad optics 
Or just that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, is it just... Yeah. I mean, the, the pictures of Raheem Sterling doing exactly the same thing would still have looked a bit privileged because he's immensely rich and the people on the other side of the fence are not. But it wouldn't have drawn anywhere near the criticism... As, no, as I mean, this just looked like a return to empire. And, and, and that's the thing, I think. And, um, yeah, but I think there's a, there is clearly an issue of this sort of, you know, the idea of that, that they are fabulously wealthy. Um, how is it ever going to look? But, but, it's, but I think Darren makes a really good point. It, is it just how it looks or is it just how it is? And it kind of is. Exactly. You can't really dismiss it. I mean, either that or bringing the people in to see Kate and Wills or them going out to see them. Either way, it's still... an interesting thing about um, uh, royal tours more generally because we were saying, well, when they go to Australia, they end up wearing all those hats with the corks hanging off of it. When they go to Ireland, they pour a pint of Guinness. When they, you know, when they go to Yorkshire, they drink tea. And then you sort of think there's... It, it, and it looks kind of quite anachronistic now in that really what they should be doing is when they go to Jamaica, they should be going to whatever the main export industry is now for Jamaica, if that's like a, a factory and making, you know, some particular product. Um, but then I guess they would say, well, is that going to make great picture opportunities? So yeah. that's a challenge. And a lot of what they do when they, some of these places is, of course, promote tourism. So they're often on a yacht, they're off scuba diving, blah, blah. But again, you know, it's just it's just a certain certain newspaper readers in the UK uh, and trying to sort of convince them to go and spend a few thousand pounds in a holidays. Not quite really? the same thing. Um, but it does show a bit of a more flexible approach to actually at the end of these tours to have a statement at the end and go, well, that didn't go quite right. Um, being a bit more media savvy, perhaps a bit more like Diana. But the fact that this tour went ahead in the way it did in the first place, and these are planned well in advance, aren't they, for months, so they knew yeah. what the stuff was yeah. going to be happening. They could have checked it at any point. It also shows the same sort of tin ear that is normally associated with his father. And there's a reason that the royals never complain or explain, Alison, which is that if you start bargaining with people and telling them why you're doing what you're doing and everything else and having a negotiation, then you end up having to give something away at some point. And if anyone had ever bargained in the royal family, then they wouldn't be the royal family anymore. It would all have gone away at some point. So does William's attitude, do you think that means that we're a bit closer to a Commonwealth where perhaps the, the UK monarch is no longer its head of head of head of the Commonwealth per se? Or does it actually bind countries like Jamaica and Belize a bit closer to a ruler who's going to be a bit more reasonable and a bit less distant and a bit more reactive to things? Yes, I mean, it may well be that the Commonwealth just no longer exists in its current form. I mean, that would appear to me from his words yes, uh, on Saturday that that's kind of where we may be heading. Um, and if that's what uh, people of those countries want, then that's absolutely fine because I think his point was there's got to be some greater level of self-determination. I think one thing's interesting, though, if it had been the Queen that had gone out there and she had done all the things that William and Kate did, I wonder if there'd been the same um, level of sort of anger or frustration about it all. I, I don't necessarily, there would, there would have been, because in a way, pictures of the Queen doing those things would have seemed, oh yeah, well that's kind of what the Queen does. And it's only because these people are that much younger that it really jars. Yeah, she's not expected to be as flexible as they are, although I've got to but say... They are, and I think that's the, that's what it really proves to us, that they really are going to be expected to be that flexible. Yeah. Well, and just to be that alert to the, to the world and how it is now, rather than how it was in 1953. Yeah. 
Although I do think if we have pictures of the Queen scuba diving at 95, that would have been, we'll be talking about different stuff right now. Mm -hmm. um, now, keep asking us your questions, everybody. Get into the comments. What do you think about how Kate and Wills handled their tour? Do you think there were gaffes? Do you think it was fine? Do you think how they've reacted to it is going to show that they're going to be the different kind of rulers at some point in the future? Are we going to ask more of them, as Alison says, than we do uh, our monarch at the moment? Now, at the bottom of that page, there's a report from Tom Parry, who's saying that Prince Charles may actually deliver the Queen's speech at the state opening of Parliament. Now, some might think this is just another way of giving the air the boring and arduous stuff to do. But it's also one of these essential duties of the monarch. You know, it's her Parliament. This is her government. And she reads out what it's going to do. Of course, in years gone by, that was an instruction to the government. Uh, and she, we all know she doesn't write it anymore, and you might as well get the cat to read it out for all the difference it's going to make. But it does seem at least that the physical burdens of being the Queen, reading out Boris Johnson's trite for half an hour, being just one of them, um, are getting to be a bit too much for her. So, Alison, do you think this feels like, I suppose, a bit of a decline on the Queen's part in interest, if not necessarily in her health? Uh, no, I don't think it's in interest. I mean, she's always said that she will be um, queen till the very end. And I think if she could be there, she would. But clearly, she's now a 95-year-old woman. She's still incredibly alert and and is looking at her papers every day. But there are some physical um, restrictions, as you'd expect at 95. And we still don't actually know whether she's going to um, be at Prince Philip's memorial service tomorrow. So that hasn't been clear. And I think... From, from the stories that are coming out, uh, although she looked, there was a picture of her last week standing up, which looked fabulous, but I think the, the issue would appear to be walking uh, significant distances. And so I think there's a concern about her walking um, sort of down down through Westminster Abbey. So that might be um, that might be what's what's preventing it. Yeah, we'll have to sort of see how how mm. things pan out perhaps tomorrow. I'm sure she'll be trying to get to this memorial. We'll have to see. Susan says, Kate and Wills did a sterling job. Um, that's that's exactly what they were supposed to be doing, was supporting Pound Sterling as well, I should think, while they were there. Um, uh, and we'll have to sort of see what the long-term impact is, perhaps, of what they did on the tour. But now on to another story that we've got here. Oh, hang on. Julie says, people were pleased to see them. No matter what they do, there's always going to be critics. They probably enjoyed the experience too. Of course they did. It was a free holiday with a private jet. Now, but I think a lot of people, to be fair, lots of people did enjoy seeing them. And there were like thousands of people out in some places to see them. And as with all things, you know, there's going to be there's going to be two sides. There's some people that are really appalled by it, and some people who, who liked it. Exactly, and there will bound to be some people who are convinced that there's nothing so much bad with the royal family having having had a visit and having seen beautiful Kate and handsome Wills and all the rest of it. But there's another story now. Uh, Rishi Sunak seems to be on a bit of a quest to make himself even more unpopular than George Osborne. On page two, the Mirror is reporting that thanks to his decision to stop paying for COVID tests. A family visiting a loved one in a care home could have to pay up to £1,200 a year on tests just for the privilege of comforting a relative or a friend. Now, they're going to be 5 99 a test from Boots, these things now, which means that poorer, older people, spouses, especially those with, say, grandchildren, um, they're not all going to be able to spend time with a care home resident and the, the Lib Dems want this scrapped. And so... I suppose, Alison, the question is, what's the chances of a U-turn, at least that, that care homes are able to provide these? I mean, whether they're going to make that U-turn, I really don't know. I mean, we've seen plenty over the past few weeks, which shows there's very little consideration for some of the people that are struggling the most in the, in the current cost of living crisis. Um, whether there ought to be one, certainly there ought to be one. So this, this sort of £1,200 a year number has been worked out that 
if you have four people, a family of four going to visit a care home, going to visit a, an elderly relative or a, or a brother or a sister, you know, who might be in long-term care, um, once a week, only once a week, that's not really that often, that's going to cost them £1,200. And that is £1,200 that people at the moment simply do not have. And I sometimes wonder whether the Chancellor, who we know is fabulously wealthy, wife richer than the Queen or whatever it is, um, whether there's a real awareness. When people say, I oh, know I can't afford it, they mean they literally cannot afford it. And that there'll be more um, stopping trips, reducing trips. And, and yes, there's been a huge amount spent on free uh, COVID tests over the last two years. But actually, the amount that's going to be spent on people purely going to visit people in care homes nationally, bearing in mind lots of the other things that this government is spending money on, and lots of the other things this government has wasted money on, what we're talking about here is a relatively small amount of money. Exactly. And they, they have shown, let's say, a disregard for people in care homes throughout the pandemic. But, uh, you know, I know someone, for example, who's a pensioner. He's in his 80s. He goes to see his wife in care home three times a week. So that's that's 23 quid a week to go and yeah. see. And all during the pandemic, when care homes were closed down, whether it was someone who was older or someone who was younger, like you say, in long term care, um, there were so many stories that Amira did and were campaigning about because of the impact that has on the care home resident, the shortness yeah. of life, the degeneration of their condition, whatever it might be, never mind the trauma and the upset and the grief and everything else that comes attached to it. Seeing as we now know so much about the damage of keeping yeah. people out of care homes. Oh, it does just and there's another story that we've got in uh, we've got in today as well. In that this, this the rule is still in place, but if a um, care home has more than I think is it three cases at any time, the whole the whole care home has to close down. And there are hundreds of care homes in the country where this keeps happening, um, and they're they're closing down. Um, residents are left isolated. They don't understand why they're not getting visits from their loved ones. Um, it's absolutely tragic, and it's accelerating their decline. And it just feels throughout this, care home residents have been absolutely bottom of the pile of people's considerations. Yeah. Uh, and I dare say the government will turn around and say that care homes should be paying for these tests themselves. And as Alison just said, they're suffering quite a lot uh, mm. with the pandemic and various things that have happened. So they're not going to be able to afford that. So we'll just have to see, won't we, um, how that pans out. But I'm sure that there's going to be stuff in Parliament about that. Ed Davey, who's leader of the Lib Dems, who uh, cares for his mother, who cares for his son as well. He knows exactly how it feels and has been saying, you've got to do something about this. So I'm sure yeah. there'll be stuff in Parliament about it. Um, now, we do have some good news in the world. Uh, and We've struggled quite hard to find it today mm -hmm. again. Uh, but here it is. Now, if you have the money, you can now outwit NASA and get your hands on a piece of the moon. So a bag of dust, which was collected by Neil Armstrong in 1969 on that first flight to the moon, it was lost, it was stolen, then it was accidentally auctioned by the US Marshals. It was bought by a lawyer, about 700 quid, then it was seized back by NASA, who said, no, no, it's our moon rock, you can't have that. And then it was the subject of a two-year legal battle is now set to go on auction in New York for a million dollars. Now, Alison, this dust, it was put on strips of tape and then on these little aluminium studs, like little coins. So does this mean that finally we could all finally go walking on the moon, even if you do have to be as rich as Sting to actually manage it? Yes, and you would probably, if you'd paid a million dollars for it, you wouldn't necessarily want to be stomping all over it, would you? You'd be <laughs> putting it on your mantelpiece and looking at it very occasionally. 
But it is incredible when you think that it's come all the way from the moon and it's now here. And that um, does also make you think if you could afford to get up to the moon, you could go and like get a big lorry load of it, come back and you would be a gazillionaire forever, wouldn't you? Well, I think that the cost, the total cost you could expect for it would, would fall significantly if there was lots of it knocking true, around. True, true, So there is that. And the, the cost of getting there would be pretty grim. But mm. um, I don't see the point of having moon dust if you can't walk on it, frankly, or do something else to it. I mean, <laughs> in the riches, you probably snort it. But anyway, uh, any, if there's any more questions, uh, we'll wrap on those. But I don't think there are towards the end. Um, thank you for joining us, Alison. We know you've got to go thank and actually you. run a newspaper now. So we'll let you go a bit early. Um, thank you for taking part, everybody. And we'll see you again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.